All right, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna call us together. Um, I've got 6:32, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get us going. I, we'll probably have a few other folks come in, but um, welcome everybody. Glad you're here. We made it to the finish line here. So Woo-hoo. our sixth session. Um, you guys are awesome, and you've been so faithful to be here. Um, and we've got a lot to cover tonight in chapters 13 through 16. But we're gonna start with a quick video and discussion around our tables. So um, I'm gonna roll, it's just a 30 second video tonight just to get us started, just to kind of start some conversation. And then be sure around your table, cause you guys have been good about mixing it up every week uh, to make sure you introduce yourself um, over the first couple of minutes and then we'll come together and jump into our, our content tonight. Sound good? Yes. Everybody good? All right, let's do it. You didn't go to college. I never asked for a raise. You didn't wear fancy shoes. I never took out a mortgage. His friends didn't belong to a country club. His parents didn't have a will. So you worked hard and invested wisely, not in stocks or bonds, but in others. All right, let's discuss for a little bit. Introduce yourself and we'll come back together. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's, let's rock and roll, guys. I'm sorry to cut conversations, but um, we have a lot to cover tonight. So I'm going to get started. Um, I hate breaking up conversations, but let's jump into our content tonight. So tonight we are in Mark chapters 13 through 16. So uh, this is the finish of the Gospel of Mark. We were just visiting our table um, just to remind you guys, in week one, we did a little overview of Mark. Mark, obviously, is the author, but he's curating the experience of Peter. So uh, this is really, in many ways, Peter's gospel, but it's told through the lens of, of Mark as he narrates and, and writes this. Um, and it's the shortest of the gospels in terms of words, but there's more events and miracles in the gospel of Mark than any other gospel. So shortest in terms of word count and most events. So in other words, if you like action, uh, Mark is your guy, uh, the Gospel of Mark. And so one of the cool things, um, Sarah and I were visiting on the way in, um, her church is doing this sermon series through the Gospel of Mark. And it's kind of neat when you study a book that you'll, you start to see it in other places and, you, um, and God has a way of doing that, I think. Um, but I just would encourage you and people in your circles, you know, as, as you've learned and grown through this, um, Mark is a wonderful gospel for people to start with. And I think a lot of times people um, will talk about the gospel of John, which is a wonderful gospel as well, all of them are. Um, but John has some deep water sections, you know, in terms of um, just if you don't understand some of the context, Mark is, is you know, economy of words and is right on it. And um, again, more events than any other gospel. So, I mean, of course, anyone could start with any of the gospels and, and discover Jesus. But if you have people in your circles of influence, and you do, um, the Bible calls it your oikos, your, the, the 10, 15, 20 people that God's put in your orbit. Um, and they're searching for Jesus and they want to read something from the Bible. I would just encourage you to, to, to recommend Mark and maybe even take some of the things that you've learned in your journal and sit down with them and, and go through it. And we'll talk about some next steps. Um, we are going to offer this again. We're just going to keep repeating it at New City. So you're welcome to double dip and triple dip and come back. 
Um, we won't be back together doing this again until the fall. We'll be doing it in September um, when you know folks tend to, with the new school year, kind of want to make new commitments and jump into classes in the semester. So we'll be offering again in September. But we do have a lot of offerings between now and then. And not to fret, we'll have um, a lot of next steps at the end of class tonight for you to kind of think about um, where you want to journey. But let's finish together, okay, um, in the Gospel of Mark. And um, I've got a lot of content tonight, and so I'm probably going to talk more than I would like to, but uh, maybe more than you would like. Um, but I want to get us through um, some, some important content as we finish, really the final week of Jesus' life um, and his ministry. Uh, in chapters 13 through 16, and we'll finish with a resurrection in chapter 16. I'm just going to go ahead and get it out of the way. Um, verses 9 through the finish of the book in chapter 16 are not uh, found in most of the original manuscripts. They are included in your, in your Bible, so some interesting things in there. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, um, but, you know, when, when the scriptures were put together, there were councils that put those, the, the scriptures together, and so we believe that they're inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we believe that the councils were being led by the Holy Spirit. We have to, and believing that we codified the scriptures and the Word of God. Um, but some, you know, of the manuscripts in, in Mark, there were more things um, at the end of Mark and in chapter 16. And but most of the the manuscripts um, in the Greek language, where we, you know, we have um, many of those, um, did not include verses nine and following. So. Most end with a resurrection narrative. Um, we could geek out about that if you want to. You can email me, and we can talk more about that. I can, if you really want to go further with that, we can talk about it, and I can give you some resources. But I wanted to just say that tonight, um, because sometimes people read like handling snakes and drinking poison and just some of the things in there that I'm not going to go down that tonight. <laughs> that, but I wanted to address it because it is in there, and there is a context for it, and there's a reason for it. Um, but you also need to know that it's not included in most of the original manuscripts. So. Most of the original manuscripts end with verse 8, um, and that's where we're going to end tonight. So just wanted to say that up front. All right, I'm going to go through our, our learning uh, guidelines just really quickly. I know with this group I don't even need to do this anymore, but we're going to. Uh, we're going to be curious. Uh, we're going to be open and interested. Um, you guys have been stellar in that. We're going to respect each other. We're going to be willing to be transformed, um, not just informed. We're going to engage. We're going to resist cell phone usage unless you're looking up your scriptures. Um, and we're going to assume a positive intent and, and be non-defensive. You guys have been so awesome. That. Okay, we already did that. All right, here's our, um, just if you're taking notes and um, you like to kind of have headings and kind of what we've covered, this is all six sessions in one shot right here. Um, this is what we've covered. So tonight we're going to be talking about Jesus, the Redeemer, and the Restorer and specifically the final week of his life and ministry in chapters 13 through 16. But here's everything we've covered, guys. Um, Jesus Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus is the prayer, the forgiver, the preacher, miracle worker, the lover, suffering servant, uh, rejected Messiah, and uh, redeemer and restorer tonight. Pretty cool. I've had a great journey. All right. Let's open up with this passage. I wonder... Um, if we could have a reader. Um, chapter 13 really begins, you know, Jesus begins to talk about the future and the, 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 the final things. And I thought we could open up with verses 34 through 37 as he teaches about really his second coming. Um, and we think about the implications of that as we study the end of his life. So would anyone like to read for us from chapter 13, verses 34 through 37? 
All right. Thank you, Derek. Any, um, before we jump in, any thoughts on that passage as you listen to it read, as you maybe read it this week and you're reading? Observations from the passage? Jesus is still, still telling stories here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a man went on a journey. Anybody else? Dan? Sorry, I didn't have my glasses on. I can't see that far back there. <laughs> it struck me that, that Jesus is using illustrations of giving each of his slaves instructions. It reminded me of, of Paul introducing himself, and I forget which letter of which of Paul's slaves yeah. to Christ. Yeah, Doulos. Yeah, it's good. Anybody else? Yeah. What do you think it would mean? Great, like sleeping. What do you think you? What do you think it would mean to to be sleeping? Like, is it not just being not ready, or actually not like actually sleeping? Yeah, I think, I think, I think it was probably deeper than physically sleeping. I think maybe like sleeping through life, like just being unaware, complacent. Yeah, it's a great observation. Um, a lot of people kind of sleepwalking through life, not aware. And he's remember he's answering. If you did your reading in thirteen, they're wanting to know like all the things and the the end of times and when are you going to set up your kingdom and rule and reign. And in the preceding passage, he says, you know, it's not for you to know, you know, all the times that the, the Father holds those, but you're you're to be watchful, be ready um, that that could happen. Okay. Um, let's enter into what's known as Passion Week or Holy Week. Um, we'll celebrate that together the last week of March. It's early this year. Easter's on the 31st of March this year. Um, what's that? Oh, I thought, I thought I was like, did I get the date wrong? Yeah, it's great. It's like, man, somebody's reading, going for it. That's awesome. Um, All right, let's talk about Passion Week and our two words, Jesus as Redeemer and Restorer. Um, So I wrote this in my notes just on the screens here that Redeemer, meaning if you're kind of taking notes, what does it mean that Jesus is a Redeemer? We talked about this a little bit last week where for the first time in Mark, Jesus introduces the word ransom, that he's going to be a ransom for us. So we started this a little bit last week, and now we're going to go all the way this week of what does that mean, that Jesus came to lay down his life in order to redeem ours from death. So he paid a a ransom for us. Um, He exchanged his life for our life. And the evidence of that, as Jesus the Redeemer, that we'll see in our text this week, is the crucifixion um, that he hung on the cross that that we deserved. Um, So Jesus as Redeemer is evidenced by, by the crucifixion, which is in our reading. And then what does it mean that Jesus was a restorer? Um, he came to restore us into the kingdom of God and restore what was lost. So kind of where we started all the way back in the beginning of Genesis where you know, Adam and Eve were friends with God and walked with God, and that was the original design for humanity, but that was destroyed and fractured and broken because of sin. And ever since, we've lived outside of Eden, um, and Jesus came to restore that type of relationship 
uh, between himself and between us to restore what, what sin took and, and what was lost in that. So mm -hmm. Redeemer and Restore, if you're taking notes, um, yeah, I think those are, are solid defi definitions. And the evidence of Jesus as Restorer is the resurrection. Um, so that he has authority over death itself. Um, and of course has authority to restore what's been lost. Does that make sense? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to go through um, the last couple of chapters here. And again, I was telling Jen on the ride over, like, I'm going to talk a little bit more than I like to talk. Um, but I just want, to, want us to get through some of the content. And then I promise we're going to have some table discussions and some back and forth. But I'd love to walk through just some of the scenes um, of the final week. And if you want to take notes, it's great. If you want to take you know, screenshots of it, it's great. Um, but I just tried to capture um, some of the major scenes in, in Passion Week and the importance and some of the key passages. And I'm not going to read all the key passages. Jackson told me not to. That it takes too much time um, on the way over tonight. But I did want to show the references for these because these are significant events um, in, the, in, the, in the last week of Jesus uh, in Passion Week. So, you know, the Last Supper is included in our reading. Um, where Jesus confirms his covenant. Mm -hmm. um, his, the word covenant means promise, a new promise that he's making in his blood for us. Um, Gethsemane, so this is the night of agony for Jesus as he's praying, you know, and pay attention to the words here. I know you guys did in Mark 14, um, where Jesus is crying out to Abba, the Father, and asking that the cup of suffering would pass from him. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but maybe some of the most powerful words in the scriptures, um, yet not my will, but yours be, be done. Betrayal. Um, we're going to actually talk, um, if you guys come, I hope you will to me, one of the most powerful services and times we have together as a community is, um, a service of darkness that we do a Monday, Thursday service on Thursday night before Easter. So what would that be? The 20... Eighth, is that right? Mm -hmm. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Okay, but please join us for that. It's just powerful, and we'll we'll celebrate the table together too. But and when Judas comes, um, in John it says that there's temple guards and Roman guards that come together. Those guys couldn't stand each other, but what they could agree on is we can't stand Jesus more than we can't stand each other. So it's kind of the you know mm -hmm. the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing, and. They come together, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. In Mark's gospel, it says, Jesus met them. Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. And he says, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. They don't recognize him. And he says, um, I am he. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that when he said those words, I am, um, just like you know, he, um, God was speaking to Moses back in Exodus 3 and 4, and he uses that word, I am, all of them fall down on the ground, that there's just this power in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But he, it's such a, to me, a beautiful word of surrender that just at a, at a word, all these guys fall out. But he surrenders himself to them, tells Peter to put his sword up, not chopping people's ears off, <laughs> um, and that he's willing you know, to be a ransom, a redeemer and a restorer. Okay. So also in our readings were the trials, um, you know, um, 
in front of the, the council, the Jewish council, and then before Pilate. Um, this is a, a picture of the, um, the chief priest ripping his clothes. So it was a, um, a sign in the scriptures when you would tear your clothes of blasphemy or something that was being spoken against God. Um, and so Jim was pointing out in our reading that he's in the, you, you want to share just what you shared with yeah, me yeah, this yeah. week? Well, I thought it was, let me get there. <laughs> so in Mark 14, 53, Jesus before the council. So I don't know if anyone else is like this, but when I, I just want to like visibly put myself in the story. Like I want to know, I want to visualize it. And I'd never noticed this. It says they took Jesus to the high priest's home. Uh, where the leading priests, the elders, and teachers of religious law had gathered. And I just love, like, that's fascinating. But then the high priest, like in the Old Testament, had a very specific role. Israel's high priest was the main leader in the worship of God and the primary mediator between God and the people. That's my Bible footnote. That's not me. Um, and I was like, oh, my goodness. The high priest before a high priest. I, that just blew my mind. Yeah. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, I wanted to teach you guys something tonight. Some of you have um, probably heard this before, maybe familiar, but there's actually seven words or seven statements that Jesus makes from the cross, obviously as a part of Passion Week when he's on the cross. There's three statements, if you will, of compassion um, three statements. They call it seven words, but it's really a phrase or a statement. Um, two words of humanity and then two words of div- divinity. Has anybody ever heard this? So it's, it's basically the seven sayings or the seven words of Jesus from the cross. Um, and some of them are captured in Mark, but I'm going to actually pull from some different gospels as well. But I thought it would be um, you know, powerful for us to just talk about these for a few moments. So, so three words of compassion. Um, in Luke's gospel, it captures um, you know, Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, you know, for they know not what they do. An, an incredible word of, of compassion from the cross at Calvary. Um, again, in Luke, he says to remember two men beside him. Um, and I was learning this week and reading a, a Lent journal that I'm going through that most of the crosses um, did not look like this, actually. Um, they were lower um, so that they would be at eye level so that when people would pass by, um, they could, you know, spit upon them, you know, and mock mm-hmm. them. And so it wasn't just looking up. It was, it was someone at eye level, um, which was, I don't know, it just hit me in a really, um, strong way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you remember Jesus has, um, two people, two criminals on each side, which really is a picture of, um, humanity, right? He's got one on, on his that's mocking him and, and saying, if you're the son of God, you know, get us out of this situation, basically. And the other that's saying, you know, how could you speak to him that way? And remember, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. To me, this is such a beautiful word of compassion. And as we think about tonight, like what it means to be a Christian and what it means to follow Jesus, I do think this is a powerful moment where, you know, of course, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to have many years in your life to follow Jesus and to follow him in the things that he's asking us to do, including 
you know, being baptized and being in community with other people and serving the poor and telling other people about Jesus and discipling other people and coming to groups like this and learning the Bible. But this man couldn't do any of that. He couldn't join a church. He couldn't be baptized. He couldn't give a gift. He couldn't do any of that. All he could do was place his hope in Jesus. Mm. And that was enough um, for him to be in paradise with, with Jesus. So to me, this is such a, a word of compassion, but also comfort of, um, you know, the gospel is, is over and over again affirming to us that it's not by our works or righteousness that we're accepted into heaven um, into relationship with God. It's our belief, it's our trust, it's our simple hope in Him. And here's a man hanging on a cross dying um, who places his hope in Jesus, and Jesus says, you're going to be with me um, in paradise today. It's a beautiful word of compassion. Okay, last word from John, um, and this is spoken to his, his mom. Um, so to me, this is such a beautiful passage, too, of humanity. Um, of, of, of a son looking out for his mom and, and saying to John, so he's saying to John, you know, would you look after my mom and, and, and take care of her? Um, he says this in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, two, two, two words or two statements of, of humanity. Um, some of you may remember this. This is in John's Gospel too, that Jesus um, says he's thirsty. And remember, you know, back to our very first teaching that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah, uh, Mark 1.1. Remember, this is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. So fully God, fully man. And we see the humanity of Jesus on the cross here that, um, you know, I won't get into all of it, but, you know, crucifixion was just a a horrific death. Um, The Persians actually came up with it and the Romans perfected it. Um, And they would, they would, basically try to prolong someone's torture and agony as long as they could. And, and what, what ended up killing you on the cross was asphyxiation. You, you, your lungs filled with fluid. Um, you could not push yourself up to breathe anymore. Um, and so we're, we're seeing a man dying and asking for water, that he's thirsty, the son of God asking for a cup of, you know, of water. Um, and then the second word, um, and this is in Aramaic, but it means, you know, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Um, which is such a powerful theological statement of the, the, the Father in this moment because Jesus has taken on the sins of me and your sins and the sins of all of humanity. And because the Father can't look upon sin in this moment, is turning away from the Son. And it's the first time in the in, first moment in the you know, in infinity, God's always existed, that Jesus hasn't been able to look at his Father and have fellowship with his Father in that way. It's a a heartbreaking moment, but a necessary moment for our own salvation and and certainly a moment of humanity. I know this is heavy, but it's really important. Oh, wow. I hadn't heard that. That's a great insight. Thank you for that. Did everyone hear that? That's beautiful. Okay. Um, and then statements of divinity. So um, two statements of divinity. It's finished. The word there is to telestai. Um, I think it's the only time that Jesus uses that particular word. Um, and I, you know, I love this personally. Like I, he doesn't say I'm finished. 
um, he says it is finished. You know, the, what is finished? The work of salvation, the work um, of redemption and restoration um, is finished. The work of, of salvation, of, of Jesus paying our ransom, was finished with his death on the cross. And then um, in Luke, he entrusts his spirit into the Father's hands um, and breathes his last. So the seven um, statements or words of the cross, each of them so powerful. I know we're going through them quick tonight, but I wanted to cover those because I think it's a great way to engage um, and understand what the final week of Jesus's life and particularly on the cross is. And also to, you know, maybe as you share that with other people, particularly in this season, um, to maybe highlight some of those statements and uh, of humanity and compassion and, and divinity as well. Okay, um, we're going we're gonna to finish here with, with the resurrection. Um, before we get there, I just, I know I just went through a lot, but I wonder if there's anything from one of those passages, um, you know, as you read it this week or you engage with it, just for a couple of minutes before we get to the final passage together that you would want to share. Or something that maybe even as we went through those statements that you that you felt, or is there a statement that stuck out to you, uh, a word from the cross that that hit you in a in a meaningful way that you'd be willing to share for the class tonight? One of the first ones um, that I read was about the, you know how the Jewish leaders wanted him to be crucified. Mm which they said was a method that they believed brought a curse from God. And they cited Deuteronomy uh, 21-23. Um, they wanted to show the people that he would he was cursed, yeah. not blessed by God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, I think that passage says, cursed is the man that hangs on a tree. And they wanted, yeah, they wanted him to suffer, but they wanted people to see that he was cursed and not the son of God. When I read that, I'm like, wow, I never, it never struck me like that before. Yes. And that the Jewish death penalty was sermon, not crucifixion. Right. So, in order to have it, they had to be cursed. Because they wanted to have it cursed. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was reading, I think it was in our reading this week. um, I'm reading through Matthew right now on my own. So, this has messed me up a little bit with studying Mark. (laughs) So if I'm, but um, I was, I, um, the chief priest, or the pilot says to the chief priest, you want me to kill your king? Mm-hmm. And to me, this is like the, the, the most damning statement, maybe in the, one of the most damning statements in the Bible, where they say, we have no king but Caesar. Hmm. Um, and I thought about that just in terms of, and forgive me if, you know, if, if I'm stepping on your toes, but... Um, like in our climate right now, you know, thinking about um, attaching to a, a political entity or party, whatever your party might be. I'm not making a statement about any one party, but when Christians say, you know, we have no king but fill in the blank, you know, or, um, you know, punt their faith to get power to hold on to something, and that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they didn't care about um, Caesar, but they were willing to punt um, and say that to stay in power. Mm-hmm. So sad. Yeah, please hear that in the right way. I'm not trying. Please don't write me a letter about that. But I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that you know we live in a in a world right now that I think um, 
you know, is willing to punt on things to hold on to power. Um, so anybody else, and we'll get we'll get to the final passage. I don't want to cut anybody off, Irene. That's a great word. Thanks for sharing that, Irene. Something that stuck yeah, out me. for me was um, like Peter, um, when uh, Jesus said he's going to deny me three times. I'm um, just going back to the verse for today um, where he says, uh, don't let them find you sleeping. Um, when mm. you go back to read like the, the section on where like Peter then denies Jesus, he says, um, it says that. Um, Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through his mind, so it's almost like he was sleeping, and he almost forgot, like he was denying Jesus, but also just going through those, you know, yeah. like acting without faith. And then um, once that, um, once there was a rooster that crowed, he then flashed. He woke up. He woke up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great word. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, our final passage. Um, Mark 16, 1 through 8. I won't call on you, Jackson, I promise. (laughs) Uh, Two volunteers. We'll break it into four verses, 1 through 4 and then 5 through 8. Anybody want to read that for us? Yeah, that'd be great. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, let's walk through our steps. Hmm. Observe. What do we notice? I noticed that the moment Jesus is there. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Well, I mean, she was at the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's a good point. Like, I wonder where she is. That makes me wonder. And if she's recorded in any of the other Gospels, but I have to look. I don't think so. I don't know. There's a lot of Marys, mm-hmm. right? Like, Specifically calls out Peter. Mm-hmm. Verse seven. Her. What did you say? Chris? Verse seven. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I look at that and you know see how the three women were there, and I think, why weren't any of the disciples there? <laughs> scared. Called in scared. That's a great question. I don't know. Chris, do you know? Well, so this is interesting because his body had already been anointed, but they probably Mm. didn't know it. But in John, actually Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea get his body and anoint it and bury it. They're the ones that wrap it in uh, burial clothes and place it in a tomb. It was Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Um, So they probably don't know that that's happened so they're coming to try to keep the custom um so it's actually two men that that do that and they were both on the jewish council um so anyway remember nicodemus oh sorry yeah another mary anointed him mm-hmm. at yeah yeah yeah. 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 A good question. John? Yeah. What's anointing? Anointing. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Reverend? <laughs> yeah. No. So they would, they, so it was a way of preserving um, and basically <laughs> cleansing a body. So they would take spices and um, all, all ty- types of different aloes and, and anoint a body. Um, and it was a ritual cleansing that they would do with with bodies, um, but the the trouble was that it's interesting. Like they observe the Sabbath, you know, they 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 don't go and do that until the Sabbath is broken on Sunday morning. But they would they would anoint bodies with aloes and spices, and um, yeah, that was just a way of ritual cleansing for them. Mm-hmm. It was a Jewish custom. And I think this is what I'd heard in the sermon, that the stone 
wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out, but it was rolled away for the ladies to get in. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. I think we talked about this maybe last week, but I love the, and Lynn, it might have been you that said this in this way, like the upside downness of God's economy, like just how Jesus undid mm. so much of what culture would, that time period would say would was right, so to speak, you know, like he picked fishermen and he was having dinner with tax collectors and, and I, I just, I love that the first people to hear that he is risen are women. Mm. And it's recorded in another gospel that it, it's Jesus first appeared to Mary. Mm. And I just, how he's just even undoing all of that, mm. like the value. And, um, and I don't mean that in like a major women's lib thing. I just mean like how God just undoes, like we are all mm. his creation, his prized you know, people. And I just love that. Like, I love that it's, here are the women. Hmm. And the, verse 8, they were trembling and bewildered. Yeah, good words. <laughs> wow. um, and said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. I can't imagine what that must, must have felt like. Hmm. You know, and like, oh, they've just been through so much trauma. And then the body's gone. Oh, my word. And there's an angel talking to us. Like, what do we do with this? Um, yeah. They believed he was the one in the tomb. Right. So that's encouraging to me. Yeah. Because we don't believe at times even though mm. he was clear. Mm. And they didn't believe even though he was clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so good, Lynn. Yeah, thank you. And he was dead. Mm. Yes. I feel like bewildered is an understatement. <laughs> like, yes, it's so good. Okay, so, oh yeah, go ahead, Dan. I think it's interesting that the, the very first time we hear about Jesus coming in human form is don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. And then the end of his time as a human is don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Oh, back to the fact that women discovered Jesus. Um, I remember reading, I think it was uh, Gary Habermas, uh, one of the experts on the resurrection, he said that in the Jewish world, women were not um, considered witnesses that were credible in court. Yeah. Right? So, again, if you were, uh, this kind of adds to the veracity of the story, that if uh, you were writing this as a way to convince somebody of, a, right. of an occurrence that hadn't happened, uh, you mm-hmm. have either some of the more credible uh, 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 men there. That's right. You're right. Uh, and then I think the old thing, as you pointed out, it's kind of a statement about women having standing in the church. Mm-hmm. Right? So apparently in the Roman or in the early church, there were more women than men. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons was that the uh, uh, Christians would pick children off the garbage heap. Mm-hmm. So a family could just throw away uh, infant girls, and they did oftentimes. So you could pick, you know, Christians were going around picking the girls off the garbage heap and raising them as their own kids. So as a result, you had more women than men. Mm. Wow. Hmm. Good. Yeah. Yeah. 
them. To add, uh, which Chris so adroitly pointed out, I have a King James version. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my version says uh, the ladies neither said anything to any man. Interesting. So to add to his context, if the ladies, the women saw, they probably knew they wouldn't be believed. So they didn't tell anybody, particularly any man. It's mm. a, that's just the, that's the reading. Mm. I love how the angel says um, in verse 6, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Like they, it, the angel names like exactly what they were like. I know why you're here. You know, like I wonder if that was almost a, to help them not be nervous. Like I'm a good guy. Like I know who you're seeking. Don't be afraid. He was crucified, but he isn't here. It's beautiful. Okay, how about, we're kind of doing this a little bit, but moving into the interpreting and applying. We don't have to perfectly parse that out, but just, what do we do with this? another story yeah I was going to say the same thing, Rosemary. I think I'm just struck like from the resurrection until tonight, it's always been about people telling other people the story. Um, just a few people telling another few people mm -hmm. and another few people. Yeah. Bible certainly kind of clarifies me that, that um, he was mentioned to show that the plague of denial 
who has still had great responsibilities that she didn't need to get fulfilled mm -hmm. in the church that had not yet been in existence. Yeah, yeah. 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 <coughs> well, there's the restorer. Yeah. Rightly come in a restorer. Yeah. This, yeah. So One good. thing that stood out to me was when they're walking, like I can just imagine they're like, this is going to be this really big stone. How do we get it? And like <laughs> trying to problem solve like, yeah, sure. they, like their physical problems. And then they get there and it says when they entered the tomb. So good. Not as of late. Yeah. Yeah. Curious. Yeah. It's becoming a thing again. Mm. You know, the like shroud people and bury them. Anybody else? It's really rich, you guys. Really good. So let's kind of come back to where Chris set us up. How do we see Jesus as both redeemer and restorer? Really in any of the passages we've looked at. And then I love question two. How does his final week really distinguish him from another teacher or religious figure. Why don't you guys talk about that at your tables a little bit, and then mm. we'll come back together and share out. <clears throat> we're going to, we're running, we're running close on time, so I'm just going to kind of bring us full circle 
back to where we started with Peter at the beginning where Jesus looked at Peter and said, but, well, to his disciples, and he said, but who do you say I am? And that's really what this has all been about, this class, and all of life, frankly, right? Finding and following Jesus, discovering him. And so we're going to spend a little more time on this in a few minutes, but before we do that, I'm going to let Chris, yeah, introduce, Yes. right? Yeah. Um, I want to introduce a friend of mine who's here to share her story and also a little bit about um, kind of what happens on Wednesday nights and a few next steps as well. So Tammy, make your, make your way through here. Um, this is Tammy, Tammy Metters, and Tammy um, is our um, New City Academy director. So um, you probably picked up on this isn't the only class that's happening on the campus, and it's not actually not the only night that it happens on. Um, we have some Tuesday morning and some other um, groups as well, starting at Matthews. And so Tammy runs all of our academy um, classes, including Discovering Jesus. And she's going to tell you a little bit more about academy, and also asked her if she would be willing to share some of her story of finding and following Jesus as well. Mm. Well, it is wonderful to see you all. Um, looking forward to getting to know you. Um, yeah, so I am the academy director, and it's just so much fun uh, to be a part of this ministry <coughs> and see people grow. And that's basically what we do is we mm. help people grow in their understanding of how to know who Jesus is, how to know what the Bible teaches, and how to live an abundant life in Him. And so we create courses. Um, to help people um, grow, to understand, um, you know, how do, how do I follow Jesus? How do I live with him? How do I live in union with him? Or be empowering and giving that abundant life and, and that joy and that peace. Um, and so, yeah, there are certain things we need to understand about what the Bible teaches. And so we create courses to just help people grow in what the scriptures say. Um, discovering Jesus is kind of our first course. Um, but I did want to just share with you maybe some upcoming courses so that you can think about, you know, if, if there's a next step in Academy for you. We have other ways to um, We have other ways to connect here at New City, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, how to connect um, in New City Academy. So Discovering Jesus is kind of our first course, and we're so blessed to have the Paines lead this course. Have you guys enjoyed this course? I've heard amazing things about this class. So we're looking forward to continuing uh, each year to do this class. Um, I wanted to tell you a little bit about, so currently in the other courses, we're doing Old Testament redemptive history and New Testament redemptive history, where we just want to understand the big story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Like what is God's redemptive story? And so... Um, that, that kind of, discovering Jesus kind of flows into that, but we are adding one more course between those, those two, um, discovering the gospel. And we're going to do that this summer. We're going to take four weeks in June on a Wednesday night, and we're going to just unpack the gospel over four weeks. We're going to talk about creation. Um, how did God create our world to be? Like, what was his original plan for humanity, for the world? Then we'll go into what happened as a result of the fall and how did, how did just the, the sin permeate you know, our world and, and, and what does that look like. And then we'll talk about um, redemption in Jesus and then we'll talk about restoration. So kind of an expanded look of the gospel. So that's going to be in June this summer. 
Before that, we will have a session three, which starts April 10th, where we're going to be doing um, our women's Bible study course is also under Academy. It's called Flourish. So the women will be studying, um, uh, it's a book by Jen Wilkin called None Like Him, and it's looking at the characteristics of God. What does it mean that God's sovereign? What does it mean that God is love? So kind of looking at who God is. Uh, we'll also have a um, course that we're calling Reimagining Work, and we're looking at work, like what we do daily, uh, and what that looked like at creation, what that looked like after the fall, and what redeemed work looks like. So we're going to kind of look at a theology of work, and then we'll have a thinking biblically about your world. That's another course. And you can find all of those courses at newcity.us academy. Um, so lots of cool classes coming up. Please, I'm, you can find me on the website, tmetters at newcity.us. If you have any questions, if you'd like to grab coffee, grab lunch, um, I'd love to get to know you guys um, and just answer any questions that you have about Academy. Um, so yeah, you can find those, those courses here. Um, and I also wanted to give you something tonight. We always, as part of the way we celebrate Academy, um, we, we do these bookmarks. And at the top, it's got Academy. And every course that you complete, it has like a little, a little leather like brand um, that represents. And so Discovering Jesus is represented by the little fish, um, which represents Jesus. Um, and so I'll pass these out. Everybody gets one. And then you take another course and you get another little... If you already have one, if you don't mind give, giving it to me and we, we'll, we'll get that punch put on. We have somebody here that has the machine that does it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great. Um, but yeah, we'll, I'll pass these out before I go. Any questions about Academy? Um, okay. Well, you want me to tell? I'll just tell you a little bit about my story um, and how I found Jesus. Let me see what time it is. I don't want to go over. Um, I'm from Alabama, and my grandfather used to call me Tammy from Alabama. <laughs> and I just, I had a wonderful grandfather. Um, but I didn't have the best home life. I didn't have the, the best childhood. Um, my parents were really young, so a lot of abuse in the home, um, a lot of chaos, a lot of conflict. And I don't even know how I knew there was a God that loved me. But I can, I can remember being probably three or four years old and hiding in a closet and praying. Mm -hmm. And every time my parents were fighting, that's what I did. I would just go hide, and I knew that God loved me. I knew that he saw me. And I knew that he was with me. And again, you know, I really wish I knew how I knew that um, because my brothers, um, you know, went through the same home life and they, they both, um, you know, even, even today struggle with different addictions and different things. Um, they have not experienced God the way that I did. And um, so, yeah, I just turned to God every time um, these things were happening in the home. And I felt his presence and I felt his love. Um, and, you know, 
kind of kind of got a little older and um, we used to go visit my great-grandmother on Sundays I would go with my grandmother to my great-grandmother's house and she lived two doors down from a church and I would walk to the church by myself yeah. and go to Sunday school and I'd walk back down after Sunday school back to my grandmother's house and uh, I just loved going to church I just loved learning about God and um, as I got older, there was a lunch lady at my elementary school, Mrs. Reynolds. And Mrs. Reynolds just took an interest in me, and she invited me to vacation Bible school. I was probably seven years old, and that's where I heard about Jesus. And that's where I heard the verse John three sixteen, And that's when I knew that Jesus loved me and that he died for me. And I did it. At seven-year-old, I placed my faith in him, got baptized was one of the only times my dad has ever been in the church. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, my mom would take me to Sunday school a little bit, but then it got, you know, got kind of aggravating. So I didn't really grow so much as through, through elementary and through high school, uh, but I still really leaned on God because my family situation kind of continued. Uh, and I remember my sophomore year in college, kind of reached this point, um, my dad, my mom and dad kind of got their final divorce. They were kind of together apart, together apart, kind of got their final divorce. And my mom was living with, um, with someone. My dad had kind of moved away. I was a sophomore in college and I didn't really have a place to go home. <laughs> I was like, I don't have, you know, I didn't feel like I had a home to go to. Uh, and my aunt said, why don't you go for the summer um, to stay in my condominium? in Panama City Beach, Florida. <laughs> and, sure. um, you know, I just felt like I was like in this place of just kind of, I'd never kind of been in this little bit of hopelessness, um, just really discouraged, you know. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to like grow in my relationship with God. That was my, that's what I was going to do. Go, went and got a job at an arcade um, and lived in my aunt's condominium. And the first Sunday that I went to church, I saw someone I knew. Hmm. It was, I, I went to the church that this ministry called Campus Outreach was having their meetings. I saw this guy I knew from college. And I, I just happened to be moving from one college to another. I was kind of in between. I was moving my sophomore year to my junior year to a different college. And I saw a guy. And I went back that night. And I said something to him. And he said, I'm here with this this campus ministry called Campus Outreach, do you want to come to our meetings? I was like, yes, I want to grow. I want to learn. And I remember the first night I went to, um, he said, are you a Christian? I didn't know you were a Christian. I was like, yeah, like I would, I, I am a Christian, you know. And I remember like they said, turn to First John, and I turned to the book of John because I didn't know any different between John and First John. Um, and that summer I just grew so much. Mm. I just grew so much in my faith. Then I ended up moving to Birmingham, Alabama, and I started going to the church that this ministry was based out of. And I just, like, that was the first time I was really a part of a church. And I just felt the love of God through this biblical community. It was like the first time I had ever truly, like, been a part of a church family. Mm. I just loved it so much, and I grew so much, and I ended up going on staff at that church mm. my senior year. And I just loved working in the church. I caught the vision for what the church is. 
and I've been working in the church ever mm. since. I never stopped working in the church because I just love it so much. Um, and so that, those are just some moments in my life where I really found Jesus. Mm. And, and, you know, you just are always finding Jesus, right? Um, I just went through kind of a health crisis the last six months. Some of you know about it. Like I found this tumor in my abdomen, started this five-month journey of two surgeries, MRIs, PET scans, genetic testing, all this stuff. Oh my goodness, I found Jesus in new ways and experienced his love in, in ways that I've never experienced before. So, right, we're just always continuing to find Jesus, but mm. that's my story. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you. Yeah, Tammy will hand out the bookmarks. And while she's doing that, um, I did make a little slot here. If you want to take a picture of it, you can. Or I guess I could try to email it. Um, but group launch is, let me just go through these really quick. Group launch is a way that we connect people into community groups. And we do it a couple times a year. And it just so happens that it's this Sunday night. Um, so if you're not doing anything Sunday night, um, would love to have you for, for group launch. And I put Suzanne Martin. She's our director of community here at South Park. So... I just put her email address there. Um, it's at 5 p.m. at our Matthews location. So it's for South Park and Matthews, but Matthews is hosting it this time. So this Sunday night, the 25th, group launch from 5 to 7. We place people into community groups. So you'll meet a whole group of people. We have dinner, um, and you'll walk out of there placed into a community group. So if you're looking for a long-term group here at the church, this is probably the easiest way to jump into community is through group launch. So this Sunday night, you can email, I just put Suzanne's email address there, um, or you can just walk in Sunday night at 5 p.m. at Matthews over on Monroe Road. Um, we do have baptism coming up. So some of you, you know, you've reaffirmed your commitment to Jesus in this cl class. I know some of you have come to Christ in this class. Um, some of you have been walking with Jesus, but you've never been baptized. So I do think, um, you know, that could be an important step for you just to make a, um, you know, kind of a, a public declaration of your faith. Um, as we talked about tonight, that's not what makes you a Christian, but it is a wonderful affirmation of your faith. I think an encouragement of your faith um, for you and for the church. So um, that's coming up at the end of April. And I just put the kind of the URL there. If you want to register, there's an online registration and we do a class and kind of, you know, walk you through that, but would love to, to help you with that. As Tammy mentioned, um, all the New City Academy classes are online um, at newcity.us academy. And just really quick, you're probably the first to hear this. So we're um, launching a new website on Sunday, this Sunday. So it's all revamped and there's a new app and all that stuff coming out on Sunday. So if you already have the New City app, it'll just already update through Google or um, um, on your iPhone. Um, or not Google. Um, your iStore. iStore, yeah. Um, or, or Google if you, if you um, have an Android. So... But if you don't, I would just encourage you to, to subscribe to, to get the app. Um, it's newcity.us. Um, that's where you can find it. And so I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit on Sunday if you're here, but our website is really more engineered towards you sharing New City with other people. And there's, I mean, there's useful information there too for you. The app are, are for, is for people who call New City their home. So it's all about like classes, registration, schedule, events, all the stuff is on the app. So you need the app, and we've really used the website now as a tool for you to tell your neighbors and friends about New City and you know, all that. So you'll see that on Sunday. 
Um, but all the academy classes are there. We, as I mentioned, Jen and I are going to be leading the class again in the fall. So you're welcome to come and join us again. We had some folks that um, this was their second time around. And um, I mean, I just think we always learn when we're studying the scriptures together. So you're welcome to come and join us again. And then I just put down a couple things really quick. If you're wanting to go further, um, just in your exploration of faith and your journey, I know all of us are at different places. Um, one of my favorite books, um, and we actually used this last semester as our curriculum, um, is The Jesus I Never Knew by Philip Yancey. Um, so it's just a wonderful book. I know some of our folks who, this is their second time, read it and went through it. And I see some nodding heads that they would affirm. Um, it's just a great book to engage. Very easy to read, um, but really you know, helps you to, to go further into to knowing Jesus. Um, probably one of my favorite books of all time is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. So if you're looking to, to do a little bit more of an intellectual dive in Christianity, um, you know, C.S. Lewis is, is probably something that you need to pick up and read. And then um, two commentaries um, or books on the Gospel of Mark, if you want to go further on Mark. Timothy Keller has a book called um, Jesus the King, and that's his commentary on Mark. And then um, probably my favorite set of commentaries right now, Jen reminded me um, on the way over, they have a, one on Mark right now is, is uh, by a publishing firm called Good Books. They're actually here in Charlotte, and the folks who run it actually go to New City. Um, but we've used them for several of our series. I've held them up before. It's called Mark for You, or just it's the book of the Bible for you. So Daniel for you, Mark for you. So if you just type into Amazon Mark for you, it'll pop up and populate. Um, and it's a fantastic commentary on the Gospel of Mark if you want to you go further. Okay, I don't want to overload you, but I just wanted to give you some things. Um, when all else fails, just go to the website or the app, and um, we'll get you from there. And then I, just, I did want to give you my email address if you want it. Um, I've got two, so you can email either one of them. I don't care. Um, but the generic one is pastor at newcity.us. So if you want to send me a note um, just to talk about faith or talk about going further, I'm glad to help. Um, you know, I do have somebody that helps me with those just to say, so if it's confidential, you don't want anybody to read it. They, they hold everything. They're very trustworthy. But if you want it just to come to me, it's cpain at newcity.us. C-Payne, P-A-Y-N-E, at newcity.us. Um, or pastor at newcity.us. Everybody good? Okay. Um, I want us to end just with one final time writing in our journals. Um, I think it's important, you know, just like when we read passages of Scripture, we have a class, um, but really is on our final class. You know, Jen mentioned that really the question in the Gospel of Mark is Mark 8, 27. Um, and it's actually the question that the whole class is built on. Uh, who do you say that I am when Jesus asked his disciples? And, you know, of course, Peter answers first and says, you're, you're the Messiah. And just to come back to where we, where we began, remember, Mark 1.1, 1, 1, this is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. And, you know, I, just, I, I do just want to say to each of you, you know, that is the question of life. You know, who is Jesus? And I hope that on our journey together, you've gotten to know him more. Um, not only just with the descriptions that we've used every week, but just personally, um, that you've heard his voice asking you that question. You know, who do you say that I am? And I think as you've heard our friends share their stories of meeting Jesus, everybody has a different story of meeting Jesus. You know, Tammy had Miss Reynolds. Um, you know, Michael had his grandmother in the church. Remember he sang the hymn there at the end. Um, all of us have different stories, but you know, please hear from me. You have a story. 
you know, with Jesus and your story matters. And, you know, I want you to hear that from me, but from all of us that it matters. And this is the question um, that, you know, God wants you to come to terms with and to understand who he is and to receive him, not by your works, not by your religiosity, but by your faith and trust in him that he's the son of God, the Messiah. This is why Mark starts his gospel the way he does. This is good news. Why is this good news? Because Jesus is your Messiah and he is the son of God come for you. So um, I want to give you just a moment to reflect on the questions here. You know, who do you say Jesus is? Um, And just be honest about that. You don't have to verbalize around your tables, just in your journal. Um, And what do you think is your next step with Jesus? Um, what would that, for some of you, you know, it is a public profession of faith. You do need to be baptized and you need to, to tell the church and the world, I'm a Christian. For some of you, you need to think about another class that you can take and go further in your exploration of who is Jesus. For some of you, you're ready. I want to challenge you. I can tell some of you in this room, you know, have a, have a really, really strong foundation. And I want to challenge you, you know, to, to, to jump into another academy class and to think about you know, who can I disciple? Who can, who can I, you know, get with and, and help them to grow? Um, because you have it, you know, um, you've got what it takes to do it. So um, I'm going to give you a couple minutes on that, and then we'll, we'll finish together, okay? All right, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to close this up. Um, hey, it's, it's been such a joy to be with you. I'm going to go back to the – I saw some of you still taking a, the next step thing there. So if you want to come up afterwards and grab that. Um, I just want you to feel free to always reach out to me. Um, again, my email is, is pastor at, at newcity.us. If I can help you on your journey, it's a joy, you know, to do that. And I was sharing with someone before class tonight that, you know, really, um, I, I, we have a season to, to be here at New City, and we hope it's a long season. Um, but more than any kind of role or whatever, like, you know, I really see it, and I know Jen does, you know, that our role is to be a friend on the journey with you. Um, and so if I can be a friend on the journey with you, wherever you are, I'd, I'd like to be. Um, but it's been a joy to be together in these six weeks. And um, if we can help you in your next step, you know, let us, let us know. Um, but I'd love to pray for you, you know, before you go. And I just want to encourage you with those questions of, you know, who is Jesus to you and what's your next step? Um, that God would give you the faith, you know, to answer that and, and the courage you know, to take that, to take that step. So um, let's pray together. God, thank you for my friends. Thank you for new friends that we've made the last six weeks and for these amazing discussions that we've had about who you are. Um, As we've opened up your word, as we've read stories, um, and we've encountered you, Jesus, and when we encounter you and the question of, of, of who you are, our, our life really has changed. And so I pray for each of my friends that they would continue to wrestle with that question that you ask, who, who, who do you say that I am? And that each of them, I pray, would come to a place where they say, as Peter did, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And this is why Mark 1.1 is there. This is the good news about Jesus. Because he is your Messiah and he is the Son of God. He's the Redeemer and the Restorer. So I just want to seal all the things that have happened in this class, the readings, the conversations, the questions, in the name of Jesus, and ask that you would continue to do a good work in each of my friends' lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, love you guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you.